Hey there, we hope you enjoy this episode of the Travel Exchange Podcast brought to you by Herman Global, a strategic tourism marketing firm providing inspirational thoughts that are worldwide and worth sharing. You can find more information about us on www.hermanglobal.com. Hello, this is Florian Herman, the CEO of Herman Global. And in this specific podcast episode, we talked about responsible travel. That's a big word and uh, very relevant during the pandemic right now and post-pandemic. So we have every month with our team of Herman Global, a fireside chat where we bring in the whole team and we discuss this time about what we need to pay attention to, to focus on responsible travel during the pandemic, but also post-pandemic. So enjoy this episode and I apologize for the bad audio, but we will do a better job in the future. Thank you. So my name is Florian Hummel and I hope you enjoy us for the for the next hour or so. We we do have every once in a while we have a fireside chat with our team. So we just always want to share some thoughts and have some good conversations about things. And so this is our very first Facebook live session to kind of tell our clients and our friends about what we're doing and we kind of really wanna uh, figure out a specific topic we wanna talk about. So um, yeah, it's three o'clock. So fireside chat sometimes is with a, with a beer or with some coffee. So three o'clock is a good time because either you have a beer or coffee, you know, everyone please feel uh, comfortable. So um, yeah, so I, I think maybe we should start with a little bit um, who we are, right? So I mean, a lot of people know us from, from our customers or our friends, but maybe not everyone does. Um, and the ones that I think um, is this this travel exchange podcast dedicated to is just people who want to learn about the industry on travel and what's happening. It's a very special and interesting time right now. What uh, what's going to happen? So um, I'm very proud that we have a company here as a tourism marketing firm here in Orlando, Wyoming. And what's really exciting is we have an amazing team. And sometimes uh, I don't want to really have the monologue so much on it, but I'm excited to have the whole team here. So I think. We should maybe just introduce a little bit who these people are in the room. So you can just walk around and just uh, start maybe, start with this gentleman in the back here, who that is. How are you? Uh, my name is Adam Bridgeford. I'm the account director here at Herman Global. Um, deal a lot with the business development side, helping clients develop strategies for how best to promote their destinations, um, kind of use the tools in our tool belt to uh, find the audience that's the most interested in visiting their destinations and then helping connect, uh, connect correct messaging uh, with that audience. Hi, I'm Casey Adams. I'm the Client Services Director. I pretty much just work to keep the programs that Adam sets up online and keep an eye on quality control, make sure that the timing's right, make sure that everybody's happy and interested travelers are getting great information about destinations. Hi, I'm Janelle Myers. I'm the marketing director and I help with client campaigns, making sure they're all running smoothly. And I also help with some various other um, marketing things for our clients and our, for our own Visitioster Parks platform as well. Great. Hello, my name is Florian Herman and 
from the accent, you probably can hear I'm not from the United States. I'm from Germany, and I'm the owner of Farming Global and CEO. And um, yeah, so came here a long time ago to this beautiful country. And I think what's very special about us is um, we, we live in a small town. We are a digital marketing firm, but we really are not uh, you know that shiny from to the outside. We, we just live in a small town. It's called Land of Wyoming. We are nearby Yellowstone and enjoy tourism, and that's really our passion. And I think that kind of brings the whole team together. Is I think we all kind of love tourism. I think we, we specialize a lot in tourism marketing. And um, so we usually spend an hour just chatting about things. But today we want to just talk about a topic that is probably very relevant right now. And uh, we did uh, with the Travel Exchange uh, podcasts uh, as well about a lot about COVID. So I think the last few sessions we did, I mean, maybe you remember the Travel Exchange podcast, we have a Travel Exchange newsletter. We just share a lot of industry thoughts that we figure out what, what's really relevant. Um, and um, we talked a lot about technology, we talked about what tourism destinations are facing right now. We've talked about the virologists, is there some kind of vaccine in place sometime to see if travel resumes? I mean, these are really challenging questions. This is a very challenging time uh, for all of us as well as a company. I mean, we adjust campaigns, we adjust messaging every day to see kind of what's the best situation on it. So today we want to talk a little bit about um, responsible travel, right? I mean, that's kind of what we picked. And uh, responsible travel is really, um, a term that was in the past about um, so like it was like okay responsible travel means oh I, I want to make sure I spend the money and the right person I want to make sure I don't reduce I, I want to make sure I reduce trash right I, I'm really trying to find a destination to have a cultural sensitive uh, perspective right so like pr protect indigenous nature protect culture protect environment now kind of the tone of responsible travel is a little bit more um, you're visiting destinations and want, don't want to get them infected right now. I mean, that's kind of what the, the, the hot topic on that is. But, um, and I wanted to kind of bring this up also to the, to the group here as well. Um, so responsible travel, we said post COVID-19, we don't even know when this is over right now. I mean, it's going on, it's uh, here in the United States, it's actually increasing. So. Um, you know, we see a lot of things when people travel to the national parks, to Yellowstone, and uh, what is responsible travel? And I wanted to also ask this to the group, you know, um, in general, what, what you want to say um, about it. Mainly, it, what we see is like, there is just so much uh, mix match on, uh, on people that come and flood into destinations. Some of them are wearing masks, some of them don't, you know, and like how does it impact the community and stuff like this and I think um, we just want to talk a little bit about the things what we see right now and uh, feel free anything you guys have experienced I know Adam for example you were in Yellowstone uh, like a few weeks ago then I was just last week a few weeks ago you said oh no one was there it was the best experience I've ever had we had complete different yeah. experiences <laughs> it sounded like yeah yeah exactly so but um, what I wanted to just maybe I wanted to ask the first uh, group to the uh, to the group just a question about the responsible travel. So when you guys look at travel destinations, we work with a few. But in general, where do you say do we have some kind of uh, winners or losers this year? And I don't want to use that term winners or losers because I think everyone is losing this year. But 
who are the ones that are doing better right now in general as a travel destination here in the US? Um, is it more the rural communities? I mean, what, what do you guys see? Any thoughts on that? I mean, there's yeah. definitely a lot of interest in rural communities, places with wide open spaces where, you know, you're taking a look at their content and you get a sense of having elbow room. Um, and I think that that's what a lot of people are looking to kind of escape this storyline to get to. Um, fortunately, that's a lot of the places that we work with. And so they're able to maximize the opportunity is not the right word for it, but you know, take advantage of what people need right now. Um, and it's just a matter, I think, of what you were saying as far as that being a mutually beneficial relationship, because if you need to get out of the big city because you're uncomfortable and you're stressed out and there are too many people too close and cases are rising around you, yeah, I mean, it's good for your mental health to, to go, you know, explore a place like Land or Wyoming and get away from people and have lots of room. Um, but you have to carry that mentality from where you come from with you. And that means bringing your own water bottle and drinking from it. That means carrying a mask and wearing it in public places. That means, you know, choosing the events and the locations you go to so that you can, you know, continue to disperse for your sake and for the community's sake. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what's so interesting about yeah. these kind of destinations also is they seem to be you know a little bit more safer for people in major metropolitan areas to kind of escape to but also they don't have the infrastructure capabilities to handle some large surge in number of cases so you know it really does come down to responsibility of you know, travelers who are coming into a destination and also destinations having a plan in place to responsibly host people who are looking to travel. So it's this relationship almost between the destination and the visitor. And it has to be, you know, kind of a, a, an agreed upon exchange uh, of an experience. And I think communicating about that is a big piece, you know, like, we all think we know when we need to be wearing a mask or not, or when we need to be staying far apart from the people or not, but different places have different expectations of that. And just for an example, yesterday I went downstairs to the local Lander Bake Shop and I forgot my mask and I ordered a sandwich and I stood back from people and then I left with my sandwich. And then the next day, they posted a couple of posts this morning I saw on their social media channels about um, about their requirement. They're now requiring people to wear masks in, in the shop. And I totally respect that. Mm -hmm. I forgot mine yesterday. I felt weird about it. But now they're clearly communicating, like, if you forgot your mask, you need to call us and order your sandwich. And that's fine. So that communication as far as what the expectation is, you know, I'm a local, but as a visitor, it's good to know, like, what do you want me to do to help you out? And that's part of the messaging point that destinations have to And it's important for destinations to establish that connection for communication early. Mm -hmm. um, where I used to live, you know, I lived around and worked on a ski resort, and you could post signs cautioning people about certain things, things to be careful of, and somebody would walk right past it, not notice it, it's clearly displayed. You know, when people travel, they get kind of wrapped up in this experience and 
they leave work, they're not in that kind of engaged mindset, they're just a little freer, enjoying the experience, maybe they don't pay attention to certain things, so establishing that connection early and saying, hey, these are our expectations, we would appreciate you following some of this to keep us safe, to keep you safe, um, and it's important, I, I think, to try and establish that connection as early as you can. Make sure people are aware of this as they come into your destination. And um, it's also difficult, too. What, what do you do when people are in your destination not following some of those policies? Do you want your citizens to approach them, confront them? remind them of those expectations? Is there a reasonable expectation that people will do that respectfully? Because the other thing you don't want is people to have a bad experience and a negative impression about your destination. So where is that balance point? How do you approach that? How do you do that? It's a very challenging thing, especially with the responses that some people have to being confronted about some of that. Because certainly, you know, people are in, in, entitled to their own beliefs about something like this. Um, but when it comes to uh, presenting um, a, a reasonable, unreasonable risk to a small community, it, it should be something that, that people pay attention to. So it's this very difficult thing, especially for destinations to approach, um, create guidelines for, uh, follow up on those guidelines. How do you have advocates within your community to, um, you know, support that and try and maintain that while uh, having people from outside your community come in and visit? It's a, a challenging thing. I, I don't know that me, I, I don't think I have the exact right answer for that, but. Uh, it's a challenging thing. I think it takes um, deliberation within your community leaders, having conversations and um, you know awareness to visitors considering coming in and then also to um, your residents. Hey, this is what we're gonna do. And we need to all be in this together. This is what we've come up with. You know, maybe open the floor for some dialogue, uh, take ideas in from outside and, and, and just try and do the best you can. So actually, I have a question, but it's not for like a comment on it. So wearing a mask is kind of really where everyone is paying attention right now. Um, first of all, like washing hands and stuff like this, which isn't natural given anyways. But I think wearing a mask is uh, like a, a very important part to, to prevent that spread. Um, right now, it, it, like when I was in Yellowstone last week, it was it was the National Park Service that handed out when you drive in, here's, here's like the, the guidelines, please wear a mask at crowded areas, right? So I went to the crowded areas, I was wearing a mask. Um, not very enjoyable on a hot day, mm -hmm. but you know, so I was wearing it. Like I would say maybe one out of four people was wearing a mask. The other ones didn't, like just didn't care. Like, you know, and it was, it's outside. So they say, well, you know, just don't get close to the other people. But, um, we, the problem is we just don't know the impact until we have two to four weeks later, probably, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what the problem is. But I'm just curious, I wanna ask you guys, um, I see in Germany right now, it's it's required by law to wear a mask, and it's really, really strict 
down, like in the state of Bavaria, you have to wear a mask if you from the grocery store if you're outside. Yeah, but it, uh, do you guys think a city like Landa or you know any kind of destination could just say you are required to wear a mask and you will get fined if you don't? Is that something that you think would work here in the U.S.? Just curious. I think Jackson is actually doing that. Jackson, Wyoming. Yeah. And I haven't yeah. read like what the repercussions if you don't wear a mask. Like, will you just be reminded by an official, or will you be fined? I don't know. But yeah. I saw that Jackson is putting that in place, so that will be a perfect case study to find out yeah. how that works. Yeah, so the city can put an order and house for them and saying you have to go required to wear a mask. So I think there's some communities in yeah. Florida doing that also. Okay, cool. So yeah, so I wanted to um, go a few things uh, down on the list. I, I wrote some questions, and by the way, so this is Facebook Live. If you have a question you want us to answer in this group, just type it in right now, and Fallon behind the camera will just tell us what the question is, okay? So let's see, so feel free to ask any questions um, on that as well. Um, okay, so the question I have is, who's usually right now traveling? What's the audience? Is it families? Is it younger ones? Is it is it the, the older ones? Do you guys see anything in general here in Wyoming traveling through to Yellowstone? I I definitely saw the families, and it's you know it's that season. But do you think that maybe elderly people are traveling less this year than usual? It yeah. seems that way. It really, I mean, in my experience from, you know, Yellowstone a, a few weeks ago, it seemed like a decent balance uh, in mix. I didn't notice anything specifically about particular demographics that seem to be traveling more than others. Um, I think it's people who feel comfortable doing that. Um, I think, you know, especially right now, it's... Um, of a personal choice for a lot of folks. Um, yeah. If it seems um, unsafe to do so and you're not willing to take that risk, I don't think those folks are traveling. And you know, I think that's a, a good decision for people who want to make that decision. Um, I think if you can be safe and responsible about how and where you're traveling to, um, I, I think those folks are, are okay to get out and travel. And then, you know, you can't ignore the elephant in the room that there's some people who don't care and they're just going to go for it. Um, and, uh, you know, that just seems to be kind of part of the mix. Um, mm -hmm. And it's hard to um, know exactly who those folks are, the people who haven't been as cautious as you would like them to be. Uh, but undoubtedly, uh, they are out there. Um, and that's why, you know, as, you know, responsible travelers, citizens of communities that are hosting travelers, you kind of need to be cautious as well and understand that um, there are those people out there uh, that are traveling in that manner, not taking the kind of precautions that maybe they should be um, mm -hmm. and, and, and try and do the best you can to protect yourself, your family and your community. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think um, this, this traveling right now is I just see a little bit, for some reason, I always was paying attention not to the millennial audience. I, I, for some reason, I, I just don't think they, they travel that much right now, but that's just maybe a little personal thing. Maybe, maybe it's not right, but 
I just naturally see a lot of families right now, and it's summer season here, you know, and then the 4th of July is coming up. I mean, that's really the biggest travel weekend of the year, mm -hmm. pretty much. Um, maybe Thanksgiving, 4th of July. Um, yeah, we'll just, we'll just watch these things, uh, you know, and how who's traveling. And uh, it's very interesting to see from a global perspective. America is, is doing things differently, you know. In some areas, it's very much required to wear a mask. And, here it's more about it's recommended but not required and you know it's a natural country to say don't tell me what to do and mm -hmm. I'm trying to do this on my own and I think that's kind of what we see right now and see how that entails and then I, I think uh, rural travel is definitely um, have a, has a big uptick this year um, and we know like state parks were 40 percent up this year right something like this yeah, it was, uh, yeah, 160% yeah, of last year's Oh, yeah. There we go. So that's, yeah. I mean, I think uh, anything that's park-related outdoors is, is, is really is really big right now, and I think it, it continues like that. Um, yeah, so the one thing that I wanted to um, also ask as a question is um, how could responsible travel look uh, post-COVID? Like, do you think, and I, someone, I asked the same question to someone else earlier and they said no, but I'm just curious if you guys are different. But they said, do you think anything will change post-COVID-19 when kind of we have a vaccine in place and somehow we, we, we resume back to normality? Do you think is there, what would change from a typical traveler? I mean, is, is, is do people will naturally avoid over tourism destinations and crowded areas because they're just naturally afraid of this, right? Or is there some kind of bus travel? Is that something that will just resume as it was before? I mean, I'm just curious, what, what do you guys think? So I've asked an expert and they said, no, nothing will change. Things will just go back to normal as it was before. But I'm just curious, do you think anything will change past travel, like behavior-wise, travel type? Preferring travel destinations? I, I think that yeah. it depends a lot on what travelers were talking about. So living in Lander, the impact of COVID-19 on us personally has been pretty small. You know, when we were all supposed to be self-isolating, we all worked from home, but other than that, we all still got to go for our hikes without seeing very many people or go to the grocery store with a mask and still not see very many people. Like, it's a small town, life wasn't dramatically different, and I don't think any of us knew very many people or know very many people, knock on wood yet, who've been sick. So I think if you live in a place that has a higher rate of cases or, or a mortality rate, um, you're going to have a more personal connection to this storyline, and that's going to last with you longer. Um, so I think some demographic or some locations maybe are going to have a different approach to travel for a longer period of time than other locations, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that for some travelers, it could change their mindset a little bit and um, help them to be more conscious and considerate mm -hmm. of their impact on the places they're visiting. Um, I think for the first time, some travelers probably experienced having to look up, you know, what are the guidelines in this place I want to visit? Are they saying, okay, it's, it's fine if you travel here now, or no, we'd rather you wait for later. So I think, um, I hope that for some travelers, it's changed that mindset of, 
um, just the impact they're having on the destination um, and being aware of how that destination feels about visitors at that time. Um, so I hope that that's something that carries over post-COVID as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I'm just uh, putting some things out, like the cruise industry. I mean, we don't work with clients for the cruise industry, but I think I don't think that it would come back that way as it was before because a lot of customers had a horrible experience. You know, they, they got quarantined within the cruise ship and they couldn't get docked to a destination. I said, oh my gosh, if, if that happens again, who knows? It could happen to me. So I think as an industry, um, uh, there's also the, the responsibility on these companies that really make sure that their customers are, are safe and, and also the, the governments uh, that they say, well, you. You're, you haven't you have an infected cruise ship, but you should be able to dock. I mean, you should not say you're not docking. I'm sorry. That's just that's just bad experience on a destination. You know, I mean, it, it was like heartbreaking when this cruise ship came to San Francisco with all the, the sick Americans, and they weren't allowed to get in. I mean, it was just bad. so. There's some things where I think uh, I think the cruise industry definitely is in trouble, and uh, we'll see how that resumes again. Um, you know, I think airline travel will also be maybe different. I don't know, maybe we'll just see people are not wanting to travel by air so much because they're getting used to car travel again. You know, it's, um, that's when air travel was the fastest growing travel type of travel, transportation worldwide. Mm -hmm. and who knows, maybe it's, it is coming back quickly, but um, I, 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 just think, um, I just think what COVID does and it's really simple, it's an accelerator on trends. It's, that's what I call it, accelerator on trends. So if, if someone said, if we said RV travel is a trend, then it accelerates that trend, right? So it's like if, if we say a trend is buying stuff online, COVID accelerates the trend. Like it's boom, like something that's a trend, it's just going from 20 miles per hour to 100 miles per hour, something like this. Um, and I think, um, and it goes in both directions. So things that were not working, that's also <coughs> putting Lily out to death. In, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the, I think the, the, the over-tourism was something that was, that was challenging and it was a trend that was negative, but in a way for COVID, I think you, I just doubt it will come back to that level as it was before, you know, and who knows, but um, I just think, um, yeah, these are definitely things we'll, we'll see. Um, right now, so we did a podcast about the pandemic on plastic so right now we just naturally uh, produce more trash than usual. I mean, it's really fair to say that. Um, and it's because you cannot use your, your, your uh, you can only use takeout for paper cups and you can only use the plastic bags at the grocery store and stuff like that. So you naturally we produce more trash. And I think um, hopefully that will kind of change that we're getting back to the habits of not, not minimizing things. But, um, car travel is way up, right? And air travel is way down. So, but naturally, that more people driving cars, it just pollute, pollutes the air a lot more, I think, than just people being uh, in a bus or in, in some some other areas. So, in a way, we we have some negative trends through COVID that on the kind of responsible travel side, and uh, where we kind of hopefully see a, a change again. So. Um, yeah, so I have a few other things on here, but what, what do you guys think? Any, anything else we should maybe talk about? I, th I thought there was one more, could be major change to the industry. Um, 
when a lot of places were shelter in place, people were working at home kind of end of March, all throughout the month of April, um, some of the campaigns that we were still running, we saw people digesting huge amounts of travel related content, dreaming about when they could travel again. And that behavior exposed them to new destinations that either they had never heard of or never considered traveling to. Um, so I think people are becoming aware, uh, more aware of the variety of options um, that are out there in regards to travel. And um, maybe not just, maybe they're not just considering primary figure destinations anymore, but rather it, it could have converted them in a way to want to seek out these more enriching experiences and fulfilling experiences that you can find in a small community. You know, the local culture, the local art scene, local food, um, things of that nature, and just more of um, a rich experience that you can have in a small town. Um, it may have opened people up into the kinds of destinations and the kind of travel that they'll consider in the future. It's still kind of early to tell whether that'll be an ongoing trend or not, but I think at least the door was busted open a little bit for small towns to connect with audiences that have never considered them before. And that's an incredible opportunity for small towns. Um, as long as they can manage it, make sure that, you know, a small town doesn't get overrun, you know, whether the pandemic's still going on or not, um, you know, small towns have a, a huge influx of people that they just don't have the capacity to handle uh, definitely has negative effects. As long as they can manage that, um, and it, it could provide an opportunity for small towns to thrive mm -hmm. uh, after this is all done. Um, yeah, we talked about carrying capacity mm -hmm. a while ago. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word that's highly criticized and also cherished both. Like, yeah. I think carrying capacity is when, you know, there's just so many people that fit in a place, but how in the world can you ever implement this with a place that's kind of public and open? You know, it's, uh, it's, it's really difficult. I mean, carrying capacity at a ski resort is really easy, right? So you just say, you don't sell lift tickets anymore or in a national park, but uh, if it's a city that's nearby an interstate and just people driving by all the time, it's really hard to kind of manage that or like bigger cities like, like Denver or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, so I want to bring a few final thoughts on this um, as well, but I wanted to just discuss and get your opinion on this. So. Uh, so we read an article, and this came from Fallon, our intern, by the way. So thanks so much for sharing this article. So it was uh, architecturedigest.com, it's a website. And they wrote an article about how COVID-19 will change the way we travel, right? So I mean, that's kind of what we want to talk about it anyways today. So I'm just highlighting a few things what they talked about. We published that article on our uh, Facebook page, so you can see it there as well. Uh, so they say uh, a slow return will happen. It's not going to be a fast recovery. So, you know, once we have vaccination place, like as a lot of people say, oh, this is going to come really, really quickly back. So they, they would rather say it's, it's going to be a slow return, building back the confidence of people to travel, maybe people that have less discretionary income. So, and uh, I'm debating this also a little bit, I think, uh, there's a lot of people that are really, really tired of just being at home. I just talked to a videographer and said, I just gotta get out of Wyoming. I've been here for two and a half months. I gotta go somewhere. I'm going on a road trip to, you know, the Idaho and Oregon. But 
So I think there will be a slow recovery on, on tourism, that's what they say, but I, I, I don't know. What do, what do you guys think? Is it going to be fast? What do you think? Is it going to be fast recovery, slow recovery? What do you think? <coughs> I think it'll be slow but steady. Slow but steady? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think you might see an, an early little blip up as people seize the opportunity to get out and feel like it's safe and appropriate. But um, but I think just the vast spectrum of how people feel about anything, any subtopic of COVID-19 that you bring up, there's such a wide um, set of responses to any topic that I think that's how you'll see people come back to travel too. Mm -hmm. You'll see some people get really excited and go for it as soon as they can. I mean, they already are, are on the road, they're in Yellowstone. Um, but then it's just gonna, I, I think, just kind of slowly follow mm -hmm. smoothly. What's, it's hard to know really, because I, I think certainly a lot of places are just beginning to feel the economic impact of an economy shutting down for two, two and a half months. Um, there's certainly still impact to be felt from that probably throughout the rest of the year, if not into 2021. But I, I, I think we also have to consider as humans, we get this weird herd mentality where as soon as something starts to go in one direction, that's what gives people the confidence. So perhaps it's a slow start. Um, but I think to some degree, if we start to see things um, getting better in the way of decreasing cases in places, or if people really start to figure out what kinds of destinations are safe to travel to and how to do it safely, and this is proven with you know, data or metrics or anything like that, then it could be something that kind of takes off. Uh, and yeah, you know, it, yeah I, think, I think it's really hard to tell. We're still in the pretty early stages of, of trying to get on the, the positive side of, of everything shutting down for a couple months and trying to you know, get the number of cases to decrease. Um, I think it's still kind of early, but yeah. there's certain possibilities out there. Okay. And we're all going on the record with our best guesses, so that's, <laughs> yes. that's great. <laughs> okay, I think so, you both have to guess, too. Okay, so then I ask you, like, fastest slow recovery, what do you think? Um, I, I'm kind of on the same page as Casey, I'm a slow but steady, and I think um, what she was mentioning earlier about just a different perspective on it based on where you live, and I think the, the population centers, the, the people there have a pretty significantly different perspective on it than we do in, in rural Wyoming. And so maybe they won't travel as soon as some of us will, um, just because their experience with it has been different. So yeah. I think we've already seen people are starting to travel, um, definitely here in Wyoming and, and other surrounding states. So I think it will be slow, but people will, will start traveling um, in a good yeah. number soon, I would say. Yeah. I agree. I think it's. I think it's gonna be uh, faster than you think. I don't know why, but I, I saw 9/11. But you know that was big. I mean, it was everything was on hold, but that was short timeline, timeline-wise. Um, and then also uh, the financial crisis. That actually some destinations completely gained from that too. That, that just were more affordable to visit. Um, okay. So other things. Hotels. I just want to touch base on this. So they say. 
the Airbnb will win the average hotel that's down the street will have less visitation. That's what they say. What do you guys think? Is 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 the vacation ownership type thing or like a, like like Airbnb something like this? Is, is that gonna really take off a lot more than the other hotels? I could see that happening. Sure, because they say about safety and. Uh, you know, you not you have less exposure to other people if you're in the house versus. I think any, I think anybody that has traveled a decent amount, either for work or for leisure, has walked into kind of an icky hotel room at some point or another. Um, I think generally, certainly, I haven't stayed in the same volume of Airbnbs, but most of them seem generally cleaner perhaps less trafficked than your regular everyday hotel room. Yeah. Um, I, I could see that happening. Um, I haven't seen any data or indication that that, that you know, is a progressing trend. Um, yeah. I think they both take second and third to campgrounds in our visa. Mm -hmm. So do you think campground or visa are the winners? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're in total control. The thing is, no. is like, the conversation between Airbnbs and hotel rooms is hotel rooms have specifically trained staff with their protocols. An Airbnb may feel cleaner, but you don't know for sure exactly what cleaning supplies they use. Yep. So I think people could land on either side of that. Whereas if you're in total control of your space and how clean it is and how close it is to the next person mm -hmm. um, and who touched it last, it's just you and your family or just you, um, I think people are still going to that route for a little way for a little while anyway and then i don't know where people will end up agreeing sometimes okay. it may be a generational thing mm -hmm. yeah okay all right so the next one next thing what they think is past COVID is big changes for aviation uh we think there will be a lot more precautions precautions being taken with plane planes and flying passengers um i think the the big thing in my opinion is uh and let's talk about long distance travel, like sitting in a plane for 10 hours, right? From Europe to the United States. There's no way you could wear a mask for 10 hours. I could never imagine this. Like you were just faint, <laughs> right? I mean, so I think to have that back, and this is what they're doing now already in Frankfurt is they're doing the testing at the airport before you board. And it's, it's attached to your plane ticket that you've been tested the last 24 hours or even less that you are not, don't have COVID and you're not left in the plane. And I think that's what we'll see um, for the long distance flights coming back. You think, any you think any travel destinations could require a positive test before they let you into their community? I, I, don't, I don't know of anybody, yeah. but it's an interesting thing to think about. I mean, testing has kind of always been the key, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Iceland works closely with the airline because you can only get there with, with, with an airline. Yeah. So they say you need to be tested before, and then if you don't have the test, they have an instant machine where they test you before they let you in. Yeah, they do this as a full destination, and they just started this mid-June, so that's kind of a little bit really interesting how, that, how if that really turns out well for them. Sure. But in my opinion, that's one, one thing, how, how this could uh, resume with international travel. and. Um, with the airline industry, it's really about, I mean, first they were thinking about taking on the middle seat, but I, I don't think 
that that's a long-term solution. A, a, a plane ticket would be three thousand dollars. Yeah, you know, if not more, because I mean, how can you manage? Yeah, in a, in a 50 row airplane, you're taking out two seats on each side. That's 100 seats at 300 bucks a pop. Yeah. I mean, that's a decent hit for, for the airline industry. Which wasn't exactly yeah. doing it. Yeah. 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 I know. Do you think there will be any, sorry, this is a little bit of sure. a tangent, but do you guys think that on the tone of responsible travel, you know, with all this talk about not going anywhere if you're not feeling well, I think you may have been exposed, like, I think we've all probably gotten on a plane or gone on a vacation when we'd already had a cold or maybe a little bit of a flu without like thinking too much about it. Do you think that people, individuals, will start to think differently before they go on a go to a destination as a result of this kind of conversation? Or do you think people will go back eventually to, oh, it's just a cold, I'll get on the plane anyway? Well, if there's no risk of, you know, uh, keeping going a, a global pandemic, uh, I think people will probably just say, oh, it's just a cold, I think. But as I do measure fever right before you board a plane, now I've seen this even with uh, regional flights here, they, they have a fever thermometer like sure. Frontier Airlines. Yeah. Like, not, not that that's a great airline, but like, that's what they do for to protect their, their, their passengers, and they do measure fever on, with the machine on everyone. Uh, yeah, I think that's, it, it's tricky. I think um, there's got to be something coming back. Um, and so I also want to make a very interesting statement on, on vaccine. I think, um, I mean, in national travel, we'll resume once we have a vaccine. I don't think, oh, you know, we don't have a vaccine and whatever happens in two weeks, we don't know, so no one will go, right? I mean, no one will say, oh, I'm flying all the way over the other side of the of the planet and if something all the hell breaks loose then you just you know stuck stuck there what happened before and then mm -hmm. you don't even can't even get back i've um seen a documentary that i actually want to mention is that someone who was stuck in a terminal for six weeks because he flew from cairo to germany to frankfurt an airport and he got the visa approved in cairo to start his exchange program and then covid happened literally that day and the government shut down all entries and then he was stuck at the terminal international terminal in frankfurt couldn't enter germany or the european union but no flights all flights back were canceled so he was there he couldn't even get back so he mm. was there for six weeks or longer waiting it out in the international terminal because he couldn't get there so there's these fear of people when they travel with airplanes long distance they, they get stuck mm -hmm. and that will not go away until we have a vaccine in place and I think that vaccines, I mean, it's, so I, I'm a little bit optimistic that I think there's gonna be a vaccine. Um, that's just my opinion, because it seems like it's not mutating much or severely that the virus. So that's a good sign that it's not, that we have a vaccine, but the vaccine will not be 100% uh, effective. There's no way, maybe get a 70% success rate on the mm -hmm. vaccine, and that's great, you know? But um, we just have to understand as an industry is like, um, yes, like this precautious travel, especially long distance, is, is a huge thing. I think we we are we are still challenged by this, and it will be next year just just as much as it is this year. We have people just saying they just absolutely don't want to get stuck in a destination. Um, yeah. So okay, so I think aviation covered. So let's do one more, and then we call it. Um, 
Okay, so we want to talk about, well, we talked about the cruise industry, uh, that's in trouble for sure. Uh, over tourism, sustainability, uh, how limits on visitors influence over tourism? Um, we talked about this as well. I think, um, and then the other question we had is, do you think that travelers in general will become more conscious of environmental impacts? Like in the travel, um, and I think uh, we can take this a little bit on the greater level. A virus is, is is a natural disaster. It's like a hurricane, like in the same impact, right? I mean, it shuts everything down just a lot longer. And I think people are getting more and more uh, used. To, they were get in the past. I think people got very used to natural disasters. You know, oh, you have a hurricane. Okay, you cancel your flight. You don't go there, but. Three months later, it's all forgotten and you move on, mm -hmm. right? That's kind of how a wildfire, the same thing, right? So we had a huge wildfire all over the place in Australia, and like three months later, no one talks about it anymore, and COVID came. Mm -hmm. But do you think in general, like, the environment, the travel, that the, something will change? People will just be much more conscious about saving the planet? This. I know that's, that's a really big closing question here, but well, relevant. I, I think it has the opportunity to um, affect the way a lot of people uh, look at traveling, impact of travel, um, not just in regards to the environmental impact, but um, being a little more conscientious of how we travel and the decisions and actions that we make when we travel. Um, we've had a lot of conversations internally. I've had a lot of conversations with, with clients on the sustainable travel thing and how do you approach it? How do you have these conversations with potential visitors about making these recommendations? And it's again, this this really difficult balance point you have to find where you, you don't wanna come off as shaking your finger at somebody. This is what you need to do. That's gonna turn people off and, and you're not gonna listen, but if you can make good recommendations on choices that you can make while traveling and try and convey the internal benefit that you get from making those choices and, and, and traveling a certain way, being conscientious about your waste and the impact that that has on an environment specifically beautiful rural outdoor um, destinations, but also how you choose to spend money when you travel and the disbursement of those dollars back into the local community this presents a great time to open that conversation again, saying, you know, as everything seems to be changing, maybe there's opportunities that we can make these changes for the better. Um, and, and have more positive impact on the places we go, the communities we visit, and just provide people information on um, if you spend $20 at you know, a chain, restaurant, hotel, whatever, how much of that money is really redistributed back into the local community? Whereas if you choose to um, eat at a locally owned restaurant, stay at a locally owned hotel, how much of that money is redistributed back into the community that you're staying and what is the impact of that um, and that makes people feel good to you know in this world um, 
where it seems like it's harder and harder to have you know real measurable impact on the world these are small ways that people can make a big difference in providing people that opportunity and giving them the tools and the knowledge and the information on how to generate this impact i think that kind of stuff's moving for people um some people um and the people who are seeking to have more of an impact like that um even people who maybe have considered it before but never really did anything this is an accelerator right you know maybe mm -hmm. this is going to push people more in that direction and make them want to um make some of those changes in in their behavior a little bit and have more impact and um I think it's a good time for destinations to find good ways to make recommendations. Again, mm -hmm. don't shake your finger at people, but say, hey, here's some of the things we'd like you to do. And if we all do this, this place will be even more beautiful, bigger and better for you to come back and visit again. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I was thinking with, um, I, think, I think there's an opportunity, but we have to, like destinations have to seize it because I think COVID could also just be a huge distraction from all of these conversations that we had been having about sustainable travel. And you're thinking more about how am I gonna stay clean and safe and away from people and did I pack enough masks and enough Purell and all of that. I think it could just be a distraction and then eventually you go back to your earlier habits. Um, but there's an opportunity to tap into that feel good component, mm -hmm. um, especially if more people are visiting wild places and um, get to see the potential impacts of you know of littering and of traveling um, and of you know single-use plastics and all of those things um, you think more about those things when you're in a big open empty space than you do maybe when you're um, in a line to see a show on Broadway um, so there's an opportunity to say you know to come up with your messaging where it's like this space is beautiful it's where you want to be right now you have to have, please help us take care of it so mm -hmm. we can continue to enjoy it so um, I think it's it's something that you have to intentionally curate I was actually just having that conversation with one of our clients last week um, you know from a city originally you know, Cincinnati is a decent sized city and it wasn't until I moved to the mountains in California and you see a single piece of trash on the ground and you're like, oh, oh, that's terrible. How awful for someone to do that, whether it was intentional or not, you recognize it more. And maybe now that people are being more exposed to these kind of naturally beautiful, pristine areas, they'll be a little more conscientious. When you're in an urban environment, major metropolitan area all the time, you just kind of get used there's trash you know and it's it's not as pristine uh, of an environment like it is in in places like here in Wyoming you don't notice it you don't even know that you don't notice it it's just like this blind spot for people um, and it's not until you get exposed to these kind of areas where you're like wow we really need to try and take care of places like this this is beautiful mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine um, you know, a place like this being tainted with, with, you know, trash or waste or anything like that. So maybe that opportunity that people may be having to visit, you know, rural places, um, will wake them up 
to how important some of that stuff is. Yeah, that's, that's a good thought that community pride. Like mm -hmm. you're proud of a community you live here, you take care of that place. And sure. Naturally, in a, in a town where you love and it's beautiful, the scenery, you just naturally say, I'm proud to live here. This is a, almost a privilege, right? And I want to take care of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I think uh, from a closing statement, what, what, what I want to say is, and Danilla, do you want to say anything about this? That's I mean, up here. No, I, I kind of uh, mentioned my thoughts earlier, yeah. and I think that I hope that um, this impacts people's mindset and just makes them more considerate and conscious of their impact on communities and destinations they visit. But I also think um, Casey makes a great point, too, that destinations need to focus on encouraging to be responsible travelers and visitors to their destination and and making recommendations like Adam said that's a fine line we don't want to we don't want to be uh, shaking their finger and telling them you know we can't do this but making recommendations for how how they can be the best visitor in your destination we saw um, several destinations during COVID say no please don't come now come later and it seemed like that messaging was generally well received and so um, you know, that should give them a little bit of confidence going forward that they can be the authority on their, their destination and say, you know, if you want to visit, please do this, or we suggest you don't do this. And so I hope that that's something destinations um, also get more comfortable with going forward as well. Yeah, so I think, um, so this is kind of what, what I live in, that it's, it's relatable to this topic, but so in the past, so when, when Travel and recreation started. It was really, let's say, in the 50s, it, it was recreation. So people traveled because they want to go somewhere, somewhere to relax from work, recreation. And then out of recreation, it came into a, a, a kind of a, a party industry, like it became more hedonism. And then it was like going to beaches and just having fun and party and, and not sleeping and just, so recreation was a different recreation, right? Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, and this is kind of what we saw until recently, it was the lifestyle trend. You just said it was an identity to go. You go to a place to identify yourself. Like, you are a special person if you go every year to a ski resort and go skiing and you show this because this is a lifestyle, right? So this, you're cool in a way. So that's, and I think that was just until recently. And the millennials kind of initiated that latest trend that I think is now contribution. So it goes from these, from starting from recreation to more hedonism, then it went to lifestyle, and I think now it's contribution. And I think we have a chance now with, especially the millennials, the social media, everyone is looking at this, right? To really say, I want to be part of this. I want to, I want to be part of this destination. I want to visit this, and I, I want to have this as kind of little be my, as you said, little treat as my own destination, as I would live there as a resident. I want to be as a resident. I want to be a contributor to this community. And mm -hmm. I think that is by sure the, a huge trend that we will see out of this a pandemic coming. So people will more and more just uh, travel and then uh, have a deeper relationship with that place. I, I think we saw early signs on this already when, when we saw, well, please, we are a small tourism community and once everyone, this is all over visitors because we're losing jobs and we're having restaurants closing, we, we need you as visitors. And I think that message was heard. People want to go and spend the money in a community because they care about this community. And I think that is for sure a positive trend that comes out of it. But um, 
Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we've had these conversations in, internally a lot before, and with the rise of more um, focused digital marketing campaigns, um, you have the ability to do more of this for small communities like where we live. Um, and I think this is a trend that will continue. It's not about um, connecting with and inviting any visitor. It's about connecting with and inviting the right visitor. Right. And as people, as destination marketers, as DMOs, um, learn more about how you can do that and that these tools are out there for you and you can actually do it fairly affordably, then you can start connecting with the audience that is most likely to respect your destination the way you hope they would. And you can do that with kind of messaging and exactly who you're looking for and what sort of experiences you're looking to promote. Um, you can identify and target that audience and, and, and it, it'll create the impact um, in your area and in your community uh, just by employ employing some of those tactics. And that's great. Yeah, cool. Well, I think we concluded here with the, with the session for the Travel Exchange. So thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you guys like this, please hit the like button, um, comment on it. If you think you want to see more of those sessions, um, give us some topic ideas you think are really relevant. Um, you know, we have we have a very creative group here. We love to talk, we love to share thoughts. Um, and uh, anything where we can help ultimately our the industry and our clients just on, on education. Right now we are in a situation where we don't have a lot of conferences. So this is kind of our conference right here where we talk to people. And I think this will continue like this for a while. So yeah, so thanks so much for the fireside chat. Um, we will be in touch again with another episode and here we go. Have a good rest of the day. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to The Travel Exchange and you will hear from us regularly. You can find it online on iTunes, Spotify and various other outlets. If you have any podcast topic ideas, you can use the contact form on our website www.hermanglobal.com.